0: or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the faith way. Glory to God. Let's get right into it this morning. Um, as, as if you walked in later and you're saying, why is not Pastor Dan up here? Because pastor called me on, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday, and they had some kind of situation develop in their neck of the woods up in New York and that they had to cancel out. And I, I understand, you know, I've had to cancel meetings, and it's not fun, but it is what it is. But guess what? God's a healer, amen? amen? We had a completely different service plan, but after he hung up, I felt kind of like, oh, that's... And then I said, you know what? God's still in the healing business, and the Word is what heals. It's not, you know, the person just has to believe it. Right. But I think we're going to cover some things. And, and the other thing is, you know, if you're feeling, you know, if you're this, here this morning, and you're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not bad, you know, I'm not sick, I don't need... Here's the thing that we're going to cover. We're not just going to learn about the power of God to heal you, we're also gonna learn about preventive medicine, amen? amen. And I wanna start with a story because in the, area of, in the area of healing, we've had, of course, like many of you have had, a lot of challenges, um, different things that came upon our life, came upon my family's life, and um, I wanna answer some of those questions, and I just really wanna approach it from a personal, you know, I have a, a good, good study, I worked on it quite a bit, but it's also kind of on a personal level because as I was speaking with Laura and Kathy and they went through a, a tremendous challenge this week, most of you know, and um, she just got out of ICU, went, was with her was with both of them yesterday, but her spirits were up and she's doing great and she just got moved to a, to a regular room. But you know, life comes at us and it comes really fast sometimes, right? And you never expect these things to show up and, and it was critical there for a moment, but we won, right Laura? We win this thing, brother. Yeah. And, but, you know, you have to really know some things, and you don't want to, you don't want to, let me put it this way, you don't want to wait till your house is on fire till you find out where the fire extinguisher is. You know, you want to know exactly where it is. And I think when we talk about the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, we're still on the subject of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is, the, is, is what delivers us. You know, it's, it's what delivers this anointing. But there are some things, and I'm sure there's questions attached to this, because we've seen some amazing miracles. We've seen miracles that... There's no doubt in my mind. You know, I'm sure somebody could try to explain them away with science, and I know science had its part, but it was God (laughs) through the whole thing that my wife is alive, that my granddaughter, the one you just saw up here, if you don't know her, that she's alive, and you know even things in my life. But you have to understand how this works because I'll share two stories. I'll share one story. The question is, does God always heal? Well, the answer is yes. He always heals, Mm -hmm. but what you have to understand is the person on the end of the healing, willing to receive it. That's that's a different question because, you know, my mother. In two thousand two, she passed away, and it was very sudden. It wasn't really expected. She was, you know, my mom was a very dynamic woman. She traveled all over the place, took tour groups through Mexico. I mean, she was always, you know, 100 miles an hour. And this infection hit her, and you know, her immune system was a little, you know, wasn't 100%. And it, you know, within two weeks, it wiped her out. And I remember, you know, being in the ICU with her and praying and praying and praying and believing and standing and um, other people that I knew that were close to us, and she went with the Lord, right? And, you know, and there were some the stuff that pastors have to deal with what everybody has to deal with but you know there were some naysayers some mockers here in our community not in our church not our church family just you know you heard it down the grapevine that oh well look at the faith church the pastor's mom died I mean just brutal brutal cold attacks which don't, don't bother me you know people are people it didn't really bother me that much but I remember going before the Lord after all this had passed I said God I know you're a healer so why didn't my mom get healed And then he answered me with another question, and I'll just share some of the the things that were attached to this experience, so maybe you can relate to it, or maybe you've had the same questions in your life. And the Lord answered me a very simple question. He said, is she healed now? And that really helped me understand something, helped me understand that from God's perspective, he looks at things from the place called eternity. You know, he doesn't look at our, even if you lived 120 years, it's, you know, that'd be awesome to live that long, but... It doesn't mean nothing. I mean, you can't even compare it in the, in the light of eternity, because eternity doesn't have a time frame. Eternity operates outside of time. Amen? So I, I saw what God was saying. He says, well, she's healed. You know, she's healed in heaven, and she's fine. But then I got to thinking about some other things. I'm saying, okay, but you know, we've seen miracles. I've seen you know, through our ministry. I've seen, you know, we've seen all kinds of stuff. And We saw blind eyes open. We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. Um, you know, in different meetings, different places in different countries. And then I, st- but I still had that little, okay, I get that, I know she's healed, thank you, Lord, and, and I, like I said in my statement, God always heals, but is the person willing to receive it? And what I, you know, began to backtrack the situation with my mom, and I remember that, you know, one of the things that she kept saying, and it's one of the points in, in the teaching, she kept saying, I'm tired, I want to go home. I'm tired, I want to go home. I'm tired, I want to go home. And here's the thing, you know, you can pray for people, maybe that was your situation, but if the person has already set their will in a certain direction, I don't care who comes and prays, because God is not going to override a person's will regardless of who prays. I had a call many years ago, a good friend of mine, a brother, not only just a brother in Christ, I really, and his name was Bear Morgan, and Bear had been an ex-biker, ex-bad, bad bad guy, I mean, he spent 30 years in prison, he'd been institutionalized since he was 7 years old, if you can imagine that. And God saved him in a powerful, powerful story. And um, you know, he ended up—he had a, he, he had gotten a brain tumor. He'd had a really bad motorcycle accident up in Yellowstone. Anyway, he went pretty bad. You know, he went off a cliff, and you know, he had to wear a halo and all that. And, and some people think that might have triggered it. But you know, the point of it is, is that he was fighting this thing. And I got a call, and I can tell you exactly where I was when I got the call because I was pulling out of the ranch. We didn't live out there. I was just. Closing the gate, I had gone to check on the cattle, whatever, and he called me, and Bear had this voice, you know, he was like, hey, brother, you know, he was a big guy, you know, and and I'm like, hey, Bear, what's going on? You know, I I just got out of the ranch, just locked the key, the phone rang. I remember, because I still had one of those little tiny Nokias, you know, that was way before smartphones and all that, and I'm like, hey, brother, and he was going, so I was like, oh, I just want to let you know I'm I'm going home, and I'm like, really? Because he was in a hospice, I said, oh, that's awesome, Bear, you mean... They're going to send you home. and said, no, 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 I'm going home to see Jesus. And that shook me. And I said, bear. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you're too young. We've got to fight. He says, no, 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 I don't want you praying for me. I don't want nobody praying for me. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home with Jesus. I'm just letting you know. And the next day he went home with Jesus. You know, and those are two, two stories that you know, affected me in, in a good way because I understood something. You know, God always heals. But it's really up to the person, and in both cases, my mom and Bear, they had made their decision of where they wanted to be. Does God need sickness to take people home? No, he doesn't. I had my, my grandmother on my mom's side, a, a, a Christian woman, wonderful Christian lady, and I wasn't there when she passed away. She, my mom lived on the eighth floor in Mexico City, and she lived on the first floor, my grandma. And my mom called me one day, and we called her mommies, you know, my grandma. And it was mommies, you know, that just was what we called her. And she said she, she passed away last night, and you know, we all dealt with that. But then I, I started talking to my mom about it, because my grandma, even though she was up in age, she was really healthy. You know, She was just a healthy, lived, pretty much lived by herself. She had a, a lady that helped her there at the house. And I asked my mom, well, what, what happened? So my mom, every day, you know, she, like, day, she'd, she'd go downstairs, check on her mom, make sure everything was good. Then she'd go to sleep, and then you know, my mom would come back the next morning and say, good morning, and all that. They lived in the same apartment complex. And she said, well, that night was nothing, you know, strange. You know, I said, good night. Everything was fine. She was healthy. She had her supper and she had all these little French poodles that she loved, you know. And and the next morning I came down and I found her in her bed, completely motionless, you know, lifeless. But guess what? She had a big smile on her face. She, She went home. There was no sickness. There was no heart attack. There was nothing. There was no reason for her body to stop working. She just went home with Jesus. You know, and, and what I'm trying to get you to understand, that's, to me, that was such an example. I think that's the way believers should go home. Can I hear an amen? In other words, because I've heard some dumb things in ministry. I've heard someone says, well, if, if people don't get sick and die, how are they going to, you know, if people don't get sick, how are they going to die and get to heaven? I'm like, do you think God needs sickness to get you to heaven? You know, there's so many stories in the Bible of so many people going to heaven and sickness was not involved. So you have to understand that, that sickness and disease, you know, first and foremost, does not come from God. Obviously, you know that. It comes from Satan. It comes from a twisted world that breaks everything. And your body, and I have a doctor in the house, so I'll be careful to tread on this one, right, H? But he'll, he'll probably correct me next time he gets a pulpit because he's such a nice guy. But um, your body, if I'm right, H, is it, if I'm correct on this statement, does it make every cell in your body new every seven years, something like that? I mean, in a general idea. So your body was designed by God, imagine, every seven years, which is still God's number, which is interesting, you, every cell in your body is recreated. I mean, your whole, you, every, every seven years, you get a new body. Yes? Correct? I mean, almost all, you know, biologically speaking. Now, there's a lot of things that attack your body, and really, science doesn't really understand where aging comes from, right? I mean, they kind of know, you know, you get, people get old, but... It doesn't really make sense why people get old, because if your body is, you know, kind of on this loop of recreating itself, you should never get old. Well, you know, even Adam, if you think about Adam, it took him, even after he sinned and he did what he did, it took him hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to die. The body was not designed to die. I mean, you know, last night we were watching, it's one of my favorite movies, again, don't raise your eyebrow at me, but I just like the whole series, but Terminator movies were one of the best movies ever. All right, doesn't say. And especially the second one, because the second one, you know, you get the bad guy, now he becomes a good guy and all that. But you know how the Terminator, how the, 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 they would, you know, if, if he cut himself, you know, it, it would come back. Well, think about your body. You, you cut yourself, in a few days, your body goes into this little mode, and it heals itself. I mean, we're pretty amazing beings. Can I hear an amen? You know, it, it, my car doesn't do that. My car breaks. I got to take it to somebody to fix it. You know, you cut your body, and you leave your body alone and, you know, have the right kind of stuff in your body working. So the body was designed by God in a, in a perfect way. And most of the time, your body knows how to heal itself. But it's, but it's divinely designed. And I don't want to get a lot of you know, medical, because then I'll really get in trouble with the doctor. But you know, just generally speaking, your body was designed by God. So yes, we, there's a point in our life when we have to leave our body, but we don't have to go through sickness and disease. That's my only point. And everything we talk about is still by faith. So now, those are the two stories I wanted to put at the front end, if you ever had these kind of questions. Well, the other ones are, like for example, I'll share one more story, then we're gonna get into the word, because it's important that you have a foundation, not just on, on, okay, not another cute little sermon by pastor, no, things that we've experienced in our own personal life. So my wife had this malformation since she was a child, and it caused a lot of problems in her, in her body, and you know some serious problems. She couldn't get rid of toxins and so forth. And she would struggle this with her whole life. Well, she got born again, way before I did it, in a little Pentecostal church in central Mexico, And I thank God for that church, still, I'm not judging, but they had some old religious teaching. And there was always kind of like a sub I always call it the sub-church. I'm sure our church has some of that, which means, you know, the church believes one thing, but a lot of people talk and they convince themselves of another thing. And one of the things that that was going on in this church, you know, yes, they believe, the pastor believed, just like we believe, that God heals. And my wife would go and, and they would pray for her and she would believe she received healing. But then it would not too long, and she was very, you know, brand new to Christianity. She had been Catholic all her life. She really didn't understand any of this the way we understand it. But then, you know, sweet ladies of the church, religious sweet ladies of the church, would say, oh, you know, sister, yeah, you know, I understand this. But, you know, there's another thing. You know, maybe God's trying to teach you something with this sickness and disease. And, and so now you have this kind of psychotic situation where the person would come up for prayer believing God would heal, but then somebody else that seemed more spiritual than the person would say, no, no, you know, if you didn't get it, don't worry about it, because maybe God is teaching you something with sickness. Well, now that's kind of a really broad thing now, because now we're saying God puts sickness on people. So now you've got a problem. You're going to have to decide, does God heal or does God put sickness on it? Well, the Bible's really clear that God doesn't put sickness on people you know, you go to the Old Testament, stuff happened to people, and people go, well, in the Old Testament, you know, God smote people and smote, well, a lot of the permissive verbs in the, in the Old Testament, a lot of the verbs are permissive. In other words, it wasn't so much God, God did, it was more God permitted. And that is obviously the, still the same thing today, you know. So, while she was going through this thing, you know, and we, we moved up to Texas, and then in the process, I got born again. Thank God I was brand new, born again. This one must have been probably November of 1992, I had given my life to God in September of 1992, and we were all into this, and we were understanding these things, and we were going to a Word of Faith church, and, and she you know, she's finally saw it. She struggled for this with seven years, but she finally saw that it wasn't God's will for her to be sick. It, God did not put sickness and disease, so now she began to attack it, and I'm putting all these testimonies at the front end of the teaching because gonna, I'm going to show you all this with Scripture but you understand this is how it works. You know, healing has a way of working. And, of course, the cop-out lot of people says, well, I believe God, and, you know, I didn't get healed. Well, there's more than just that. Faith has to rise in you. That's even in the Bible. You know, Jesus would perceive their faith. And she understood this, and when, I, when we finally got, broke the mindset out of her that God did not put this thing on her to teach her anything, then she understood that the only other solution was the word. And, and I'm going back, you know, November of 1992, she got really, really, really sick, and, and I was really concerned about her, and, and it just kept getting worse, and she was crying. She goes, you know, I've had it with this thing, you know, and I know God heals. Now I see that God didn't put this on me. Now I see that God's not trying to teach me something, but she was in a lot of pain. She was going through a very difficult situation, and then back then there was no computers, and if there were computers, we couldn't afford one. <laughs> you know, we were, uh, and she just got her Bible, you know notebook paper and pencils and she just started writing healing scriptures down every healing scripture she could find sometimes it was the same one over and over and over you know it wasn't just you know all different scriptures and for three days she stood at the kitchen table you know during the daytime hours and night she would sleep and we would and she would just write and write and write and and you know the whole kitchen table in that little mobile home was covered up with pieces of paper with scriptures on it but what was she doing she was right she was she was and then on the third day, you know, she got really, she was really sick. At this point, I'm like, you know, we're going to the doctor. Let's go, and she's crying. She's like, well, I just know God heals. And at that point, you know, I felt that unction. I wasn't in the ministry, and you know, I was barely saved. And, you know, I was helping a little bit with jail ministry. You know, the guy that carries the Bibles, basically. I wasn't preaching or anything, but I had, I understood some things. And I said, you know what, over at our church, they pray and, and they anoint people with oil. And I didn't know, you know, and we believe in that. Sometimes I'm careful of that because of our culture. Then it looks like witchcraft and all that, but I'm not going to go to that. But, you know, I didn't have any of the special oil from Israel. All we had was Wesson cooking oil. And if I hadn't had that, it would have been Mobile One or something. You know, I just, I just knew you were supposed to anoint people with oil. I didn't know you had to have the special kind of oil, which you don't. I'm just being ironic. You guys know that. And... But I, you know, at that point, I said, you know what? We're doing this. And I anointed my hands with oil. I said, lay hands on the sick. They recover. And I prayed for her. And in that little mobile home, I've never experienced that since. It was such a powerful experience. I mean, the glory of God filled that little house up. I don't know. I've never had that ever happen again like that. I mean, it was so tangible, the presence. I mean, we were both weeping. Power of God hit her. And she was completely healed and set free. Now, that thing... Every once in a while, it tries to creep back, but, but since that day, she put a discipline in her life, and that's why I said it's at the front end, where she'll, you know, she'll confess healing scriptures every day of her life. And what's that? That's called preventive medicine, right? You're preventing something. And every once in a while, that little thing will try to creep up and start that burning sensation in her body, and she goes, no, 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 devil, you're not, I'm not buying that again. And she will refocus, and that thing will leave. Well, fast forward a few years, I'm giving all the testimonies, I'm trying to build this on a testimony so when we talk about it, you can relate. And I got lots of them, but I'm just going to share one more. Most of you know it. When My granddaughter, two weeks old, that little girl that was standing up here, Ayana, those of you watching online that don't know her, she just came up here. Um, two weeks old, she was diagnosed with bacterial meningitis, and it did not look good. It looked like she was going to die. I mean, that was just, the doctor, I know, didn't tell Maurice maybe exactly that, but when he pulled me out into the hall, she said, this, this, the baby's really, really sick. He had already ordered the, the flight out of Laredo to to Driscoll Children's Hospital in Corpus, because before even the blood work came back, because he, he, he already knew that this was a serious situation, and her eyes would go like strobes in her head when we went to the hospital and prayed for her. We, you know, she was two weeks old, a tiny little baby, and she had her eyes open. Her eyes would go like, like a strobe. You know, it wasn't it wasn't an easy. You know, she wouldn't just go side to side. They were like, you know, her brain was infected, and all this stuff was going on. And anyhow, again, a long three-week story, which I'm not going to take three weeks to take. She gets, but, but from the very first moment that we got the call of what was going on, the very first thing my wife and I said I said, we take authority over the spirit of fear. We're not going to fear this thing. God's got this thing. And I'm telling you, we, a, a calm came over us. And, you know, even going to the hospital, we didn't rush. We didn't go in ambulance mode. We took, you know, we took the regular time, showed up. Praying for her, and Monica, I remember she was confessing scriptures over Ayana, and she was just saying, "Oh, Ayana, I see you. you're going to grow up, and you're going to be such a beautiful little girl, and we're going to see you run." And at that time, I was praying for her, and I created an image. And all, all I'm telling you is part of the sermon, so you got to get these ideas. I created a, what's called a covenant image. In other words, on the inside, I closed my eyes and I saw her roughly between three and four years old, and I could see her. And I mean, you're talking about a two-week baby got no hair you know you don't know what she's really gonna look like but I saw something in my spirit and I could almost bring up a picture and show you exactly what I saw because I took a picture a few years later and I saw this little girl out on the ranch with all her hair frizzed out you know I didn't see a little girl with a puffy dress and all combed and nice you know just you know the way she is you know (laughs) a little bit of hippie-ish if you want to call it that you know and Sure, you know, a few years later, I was taking a picture of her, and she was there with the horses, and, she was, and it was raining, and she went like that, and I took a shot, and when I came back and looked at it, I got chills in a good way because I said, that's exactly Laura what I saw. I saw that three years, four years before, while she was dying. I saw what God could do. I created an image, and we stood for her. Well, you know, the fight wasn't over. This was in Laredo. When we went to Corpus, of course, he we went to ICU. And she was there for three weeks and as things developed, you know, the doctor would come back. And Ayana now talks about it because she's heard a story so many times from me. And he said, well, you know, I think, she, I think she's gonna beat this, but there's a high probability that she won't be able to walk, talk, or see because we don't know how, how bad this infection, you know, this, you know, the meningitis got to her. And I said, okay, doctor, and that's exactly what I told him. I said, you do your job, I'll do mine. That's like, and so we just took that and I said, okay, Lord, thank you now that, you know, she will live and not die, but oh, guess what? She's gonna walk. She will walk, she'll be perfectly normal. I saw, a pic- I saw that image in my head. Well, you know, doctor came back a couple of days later and says, well, we you know we did some tests. It looks like it didn't affect her, you know, her, her capability to walk, but we're still not sure if she's gonna be blind or even to be deaf. I said, okay, doctor, again, you do your job, I'll do mine. And we went back on that and stood on that and said, no, Lord, that baby's fine. And we took scriptures about eyes being opened and we took scriptures about ears being opened and this baby will be perfectly fine, and she will be healthy, and she will be a blessing into our life. A few days later, the doctor came and said, we did some tests, and it looks like she, her, her eyes are fine, but we still don't know about her hearing, I think. Thank you, sir. Same routine. You see, we, my point is, when, when we talk about healing, there's a lot of dynamics. It's, it's not just, well, I just want to get prayed, I want to be healed. Yeah, that can happen, and God does that, but there's also our part. You know, it wasn't like, okay, healer, Lord, and I go home and watch TV. You know, we stood, we never fell into fear. We never went into panic mode. We just said, "Okay, that's that's what the doctor said." This, that's, and, and again, we respect doctors. We pray for the doctors. We pray for the nurses. We pray for the medicine. We don't. We're not anti-doctor. Do you understand what I'm saying? We we believe that their wisdom also came from God. But but when it gets to the place where doctors have done everything else they can do, you better find out where you're at with your faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. So you know. Well, the story is, you saw her here. She came back. She's fine. Three weeks later, she was out and of course she grew up and as she was growing up she picked up a little nickname because she is a piece of work i mean her little nickname is called princess tornado because and she's so sweet about it she's not she's not a bad kid but you know she'll come in a perfectly clean house two days later it's like a tornado went through your house you know and i thank god for it so those are just you know some stories of where we're at so when you say well pastor can't relate to what we're going through oh trust me i can relate more than you can Because and you know, my wife and the tumors that she went through and and, I mean there's so many stories, Caden with his broken foot, and in every one of them God would show up with these miracles. So let's dig into it and I want to start this this and again, I don't know, I might it might take me two sessions to finish what I want to say, but it probably is important because you have to have I know it's one of my pet phrases, I use it a lot, you have to have a working understanding of how faith works. You know, and before I read God in the, I mean, Jesus in the Bible and God, you'll see different kinds of healings. You'll see instant healing. I mean, it's boom. You'll see progressive healing. In other words, it wasn't instant, but it, but it continued and healing was manifested. Amen? And that is something you have to understand. You have to really settle some things in your heart. So let's go, give, give, um, put up the, the first one. I want to read, first of all, this one, Luke 4:18, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And that was, of course, one of the scriptures that we used when Ayanna, they told us that she wasn't going to be able to see. So the thing I want to pull out, because we're still talking about the Holy Spirit, you know, it's the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But guess what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Now, of course, Jesus is referring to his calling, but the same spirit that's on Jesus is on you, and that spirit carries the power to take care of all those things right in that list. You know, that's his job description, per se. He has anointed to preach, you know, and that's what I rely on every time I take a pulpit. I believe, God, you know, I don't just come up here with a sermon. I'm believing the Holy Spirit's going to use me. It's going to speak through me, going to say something that's going to help you. And But he did say he has sent me to what? Everybody read it with me. Heal. Forget about the rest. Heal. Heal you spiritually. Heal you emotionally. Heal you physically. Heal broken hearts. Heal anything. To fix everything that is broken. Now, I want to go to a story. Let's go to the next one. I want to to go through this story because this is, and this is a lot of reading, so we're going to have to, um, you know, go through this, but everything, really everything that I'm going to talk about is is within this one, one wonderful passage of the life of Jesus where he let me bring up all my notes because I have the the music thing up there. It's kind of. All right, here we go. If I can open it, let's begin here in Mark chapter five, and I'm going to make a couple of pauses. But this is a powerful story of two different people that need miracles. So let's begin here. So after Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. In other words, remember that idea right there because it will become important in a moment. He pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, please come with me. My little, little daughter is at the point of death and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her and she will live. So Jairus, even though he was a Jewish you know, he was a temple guy, you know, I'm not sure, it doesn't tell us he was a high priest, but he was a priest in the temple, he was one of the officials, and he was, you know, he was, he had a lot of authority, a lot of power, but at the end of the day, you know, the way they were serving God, and they were serving the same God, don't misunderstand, this this is not a cult, this is not a different religion, this is the Jewish people, but his daughter is dying, and you know, when some, you know, when you hear that, jesus was kind of an outcast the the temple people didn't like jesus remember that they're the the ones that end up crucifying him they never liked jesus because he was coming against everything they stood for coming against their religious traditions coming against a lot of stuff but jairus in his desperation he could care less he said you know what i'm done with all this you know if jesus is one of us or not i know that i'm i'm down to this is it you know if jesus doesn't fix this my daughter's dead And he comes, and Jesus responds and says, okay, let's do this. Verse 24, immediately Jesus went with him, and huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. Now, all these, every little line is very important, and I'll, I'll, I'll open up because you'll see why. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. Now, I find it very interesting, and I don't know if it's just a coincidence or it's just the way I read the Bible. Think about this for a moment. This lady got sick when this child was born. I think that's just kind of interesting. She's been struggling 12 years with bleeding, and Jairus' daughter is 12 years old, and she's dying. So you've got two people that are in desperate need of healing, except this woman, you know, we can tell that at some point she had money, because you couldn't afford a doctor back then, just like if you had to pay for a doctor nowadays, right? So, but she spent everything she had, so the doctors couldn't fix it. And she is desperate, and she's kind of at the point of her life, well, if, if Jesus can't fix it, then I'm done. Well, Iris also is at the same point, you know, if Jesus can't fix it, my daughter's done. And now, you know, hopefully, you're not. That's not the condition you're in this you know this morning. Or if you're watching me line. But at the end of the day, you know, we face situations where many situations, not just healing situations, where really it comes down to if Jesus can't fix it, it's not going to get fixed. Now, have you ever faced anything like that? Maybe a family situation, whatever. So you see a very interesting contrast. You know, the the twelve years. I always thought that was interesting. But she had heard about Jesus. What well, Jairus had heard about Jesus. But now I want you to get this picture because this is where it really brings it home to me so if you can imagine Jesus is already famous for healing and back in the first century there was no you know medicine was almost unheard of unless it was natural medicine and hospitals weren't existent and hospices and all these kind of things weren't really a thing and you have a very 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 sick culture um, you know across the board people were sick they drank dirty water they ate dirty food you know, sickness was a huge, huge thing. You know, nowadays, you know, it's controlled to a point. But back then it was pretty serious. And Jesus gets out of the boat and there's crowds that, that, that know he's a healer and know he's a miracle worker. And this is also one of the things that I want you to, to get a hold of right now in, the, in this meeting because it's, it's interesting to understand this. In this crowd, you can assume, you know, pretty comfortably assume that there were many, many, many people that were sick. Can I hear an amen? I mean, we're just going to assume the crowds are pressing, the crowds are pushing. I mean, it's like a rock star just got out of the limo. You know, people are, you know, King James says thronging him. In other words, they were like trying to reach him, trying to touch him. You know, the miracle workers here, and people are touching him, and his disciples are pushing people apart. They're trying to get him, and now Jairus comes in the conversation. Everybody kind of steps back because he is the leader of the synagogue, and he has the power to have people arrested, he has the power to have people crucified. He has the power, well not crucified, but he has the power to have people stoned to death. You know, this is the kind of authority. And now you got another person coming into this scenario, so he's walking with Jairus, hundreds of people, and there's this other woman that is very, very sick, and she is in the crowd, but here's the interesting thing. In Jewish customs, in Jewish custom, if you had bleeding issues, I don't want to get a lot of details. You can read this in the book of Leviticus. You were considered unclean. And if you were considered unclean, you were supposed to be outside of the city till you became clean. And the only way you could be proven clean is because a, somebody like Jairus would check you and say, okay, you are clean. You may rejoin society. This woman now was, was not only sick, she was an outcast now. And she was not supposed to be inside the city limits, much less. Be around this guy because this this guy remember this Jairus she's broken a bunch of laws by being there and these are not just okay you know you got to pay a fine law these are stoning laws she has violated their religious laws by coming into the city by looking for you know being in the crowd she wasn't supposed to do that you know I guess this was the the original social distancing right and the man that has the authority to have her executed is standing right there. You know what that's called? It's called desperate. In other words, this woman, she put all the money and all the cards on the table. She's done. If this doesn't work, if the sickness doesn't kill me, Jairus will. You know, this is, she's broken Jewish law. She's put herself in a, in a position where at the very least she would get thronged or but, you know, more than likely she would get stoned to death. Because you've got to remember, you know, in this culture still, women, you know, they didn't have the same position as men, kind of like Middle Eastern women. So now you see these two situations developing, but she had heard, verse 27, about Jesus' healing power, and she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl, for she kept saying to herself. So I'm going to plug, I'm going to plug part of the teaching in now. So now she's speaking something, right? She's confessing it. And this is the part that you're not going to get away from. You have what you say. She already had heard about Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. Can you hear me? And now she's speaking what she heard. And she says, I know if I can just... Gra-. That was her point of contact. It's not that the prayer shawl was powerful. What was powerful was the man inside the prayer shawl. Amen? But she, in her faith connection was, if I can just touch the garment, I'll be healed. Well... That brings us, you know, in, into the next one. Give me the next slide, I'll just read off the slides. And as soon as her hand touched him, everybody say as soon, <laughs> as soon, as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped. So you know this had to be a serious condition because she could feel the blood coming out of her. And when she touched it, she felt, you know, she's, the, the Bible says, you know, in King James says, the fountain of, the, you know, the blood fountain dried up. And Jesus knew what well says and instantly being healed of her disease Jesus knew at once that someone had touched him For he felt the power that always surged around him and would pass through him for someone to be healed He turned and spoke to the crowd saying who touched my clothes Well, do you remember that they were thronging him a few verses before I mean he's surrounded by people the disciples are Elbowing people pushing people in the face getting off of Jesus getting off of Jairus I'm sure Jairus had his own entourage because he's a big shot and So the disciples are like, wait, 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 what do you mean somebody touched you? Verse 31, look at this huge crowd. They're all pressing up against you. Well, Jesus didn't say, people just are touching me. He said, somebody touched me with faith. Because This is the picture I'm trying to say. We have Jairus believing for his daughter to be healed. We have this woman with the issue of blood. And we have hundreds of people touching Jesus but none of the other ones is there registered a miracle. Because the reason I like this passage is because it's, it's, as a pastor, you see this within a church. You see people that, are, that get it. You see people that they grab onto it. You see people that understood it. You see people that put the disciplines in their life to cause healing to come, like my wife sitting for three days and writing scriptures out. you know, And, it, and we didn't know any of them. We were pretty innocent and naive in a lot of things, but we knew something. She knew she had to get the word in her. And that was the, the only way that she, instead of sitting there and confessing, say, if I write them, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a note taker and I rarely go back to my notes. When, I've, when I'm not preaching, obviously, I'm sitting, I take notes, 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 notes. And sometimes I go back and rarely I go back. But to me, it's like if I take notes, it's kind of like a double influx. You know, I'm listening and I'm writing it. So, I, you know, I'm getting it. So to me, note taking is more of a personal, you know, you know, sometimes I'll go back to notes, but it's like it's very rare. And that was what my wife had. Well, this woman was the same thing. She had convinced herself, and she'd been saying for a long time, if I could just get to Jesus, if I could. Now, you can imagine, let's talk a little bit about her illness. We can assume pretty confidently that she's extremely anemic. Amen? She's been bleeding for 12 years. She probably has, you know, border, you know, very weak. Probably not has a lot of energy. But she found something in her, because not only, she didn't just walk up to Jesus and touch him. She had to fight the crowds. She had a push and claw and bite, and I don't know if she went through their feet. I don't know how she got to it, but people are thronging him. You can assume hundreds of people are there, and there's a one weak, you know, very weak woman doing everything in her power to just grab onto this garment. And I th- find this very interesting because the healing power of Jesus, you know, the healing miracles started way before she ever showed up. That's what you have to understand. When healing comes, when, you're, when you need a healing, you know, you know, who are you in this picture? Are you the thronging crowd, or are you the woman with the issue? Because in a church scenario, a lot of people will come to church, and, and they'll sit there and say, well, I need a healing. I hope Pastor Box prays for my healing. Okay, you come up here, and I pray for you, and I believe, and I release my faith, but you don't get any better, nothing changed in your life. Well, I'm not, and I'm not making judgment of that, but that's the difference between her and the crowd. Well, in church, you have the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can announce... You know, we didn't, you know, some big, 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 big name, healing ministry, healing evangelist, famous. And, you know, you could pack out a stadium or you could pack out a church. But even in that crowd, not everybody's going to get healed. Amen. Why? Because it really is on the approach to understanding what Jesus did. Now, let, let's, let's keep reading. Give me the next one. So in verse 32, it says, but Jesus' eyes swept across the crowd looking for the one who had touched him for healing pay attention to this the one that touched him for healing other i'm sure all these other people wanted healing and they wanted but they were like okay if i you know almost kind of like like witchcraft if we can just touch jesus something you know something will happen no she knew what she was going for when the woman who experienced the miracle realized what had happened to her she came before him trembling with fear and threw herself down at his feet saying i was the one who touched you and she told him the story of what just happened why do you think she was trembling with fear because Jairus was standing next to Jesus. That's the fear. She wasn't, you think she was in fear? She already fought, clawed, bit, you know, did whatever it took to get to Jesus. And the only reason there was fear in her is because once she realized who was standing next to, you know, this is like Kevin Bill. Everybody knew everybody. They, she knew exactly who Jairus was. Exactly. And when she looks up, she goes, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jairus is here. That was the fear. But my point of it is, you know, a lot of people were here, and a lot of people needed healing, but there's only two people that got healed. Question, was Jesus' power less? No. So it has to be another answer, right? We have to realize what's going on. Why didn't Jesus just heal? And that's not the only time. You find the time at Jesus at the Pool of Bethesda, you know, and that's a place where all the sick people would go, and they would lay it by this pool, believing that every once in a while an angel would come down and he would stir the waters, and when the water stirred, you would run into the water and try to get well, and hopefully you'll be healed. Well, we, So everybody around the pool of Bethesda was sick and s- extremely sick, from leprosy to cancer. So this was a nasty, nasty place, you know, where all the sickness was, all these hundreds of people were surrounded, but in that story, Jesus only heals one person. So he stepped over sick people to get to that one man that believed. So again, the power of Jesus was on him all the time. Jesus, another story Jesus goes into his homeland. He just came back from Capernaum doing amazing miracles, signs, wonders. He goes back to Nazareth. And the Bible says that he wasn't able to heal hardly anybody because of their unbelief, because it wasn't that they didn't believe and say, oh, that's Jesus. That's Mary's boy. That's Joseph's boy. Yeah, that's just Jesus. They didn't really see him as the healer. But he just came from Capernaum doing miracles. The power of God is on, still on Jesus. But there's very little miracles in his hometown. And if you break down the translation of that scripture, it says that the healings were very insignificant. You know, maybe somebody had a cold or had a runny nose or, you know, something like that. It wasn't like life and death stuff that got healed. Very few people received it. In his homeland where they didn't receive him as a prophet, in in other towns where they received him as a prophet, healing was happening. Same scenario. So I'm I'm building on this because you've got to get a hold of this. Jesus is the healer. And if we're not receiving healing, now this is not for you to get under condemnation. It's something else. You have to be very honest with yourself and say, okay, Jesus is a healer. 100% of the time, he heals. And if it's not manifesting in my body, then what is it that I need to do? And not need to do to get healing, but to build faith. Because you're not going to get away from this church. God moves through faith. God moves through faith more than he'll move through any kind of religion. So I'll give you another instance. All this is in the Bible. It'll take me forever. We went. To. Imagine if I read all of them. The Roman centurion. A pagan, godless person, but he had heard about Jesus. And he had a servant that he loved very much. And when Jesus, he came up, the Roman centurion came to him and said, my servant is at the point of death. Will you heal him? And Jesus said, let's go, let's go, let's go get him healed. He said, no, you don't have to do that, sir. I know your authority. If you would just send the word, I know he'll be healed and Jesus looked at this man and said really I have not seen greater faith in, in all of Israel he, he realized that there was a pagan that did not really believe in God Jehovah they worshiped all kinds of gods and you know deities and all that kind of stuff from the Greek Grecian culture to their own Roman you know pagan culture they they, they just worshiped all these weird gods but he had heard about Jesus and he said no 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 I heard about your authority He said I'm a man under authority if I tell my soldiers to go do they got to go do so if you send your word, I know your word has authority. I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus really said, boy, I have never seen this much faith. You know what? Your servant's healed. Boom. And the servant got healed instantly. Jesus, didn't even, Jesus wasn't even in the presence of this guy. All these examples I'm giving you because it's still the same way. We've prayed for so many people. If you come to our prayer meetings over the years, you know, we got a book right there. I'm sure if we went back and <laughs> went through every prayer request, there's so many times over and over and over and over again that Somebody will come in and says, Pastor, you know, somebody somebody that I don't know, they'll say, you know, so and so's got cancer and so and so is dealing with this, and so and so's people that we prayed for people, you know, in other countries that I don't even know, never know who they are. But I understood something. I don't have to be in their presence if I believe that the word works. Do you see that one? Because you know, people are you know, today if, if I pray for you, the laying on of hands, that's fine. But what if, you know, the Holy Spirit just says, no, just stand up and we'll pray for you. It's still the word. Nothing wrong with laying on the hands. I believe in that. We do it all the time. But also the word going forth heals. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to show you all these things. So let, let's keep reading because the story's not over. So then, you know, he, he deals with him. She tells him the story. And then Jesus said to her daughter, because you dared believe your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. He never said my power. He said your faith has healed you. Go with peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. Now, but I, what I want you to understand this, before I read 35, we're, we're going to get right into it. So remember what, where all this started. Let's, let's back up, because you have to live this thing through. I mean, that's at least the way I read the Bible. I, just, I, I really get into it. So Jairus, his daughter is dying. I mean, it's like tick-tock. You know, the clock is moving, this girl's going to die. And he's like, come on, Jesus, let's go. And the last thing Jairus needs is for somebody to stop the parade. Because they're headed to his house, and the crowds are following, and all this is going on. And, and they're headed, and they're beelining to his house. You know, come on, come on, we've got to get to my daughter, we've got to get to my daughter. Oh, wait, now Jesus has a conversation. And, you know, if Jewish people are like Mexicans, you know that story took a long time to tell. Amen? It's like, you know, you know that person that starts a conversation with long story short? And you don't get it. You just get the long story. So you can imagine she's she's excited about her healing. She doesn't know why what's going on with Jairus. She doesn't know all the details. So she's telling Jesus, "Well, let me tell you. I've been sick for 12 years, and I've spent everything we heard. Where do you think they got that? Because the disciples heard her story. She's over there telling everything about the 12 years. She's probably going year by year. You know, well, 10 years ago this happened, and then 9 years ago, and Jesus is just there, you know, just loving on her, and Jairus is like, really." Come on, come on, come on. Let's get this thing moving. And she's going on and on about the story and all excited, you know, and so forth and so on. Now, we we have testimonies in this church. It used to be funny because we'd have these testimony nights sometimes on Wednesdays, sometimes on Wednesdays, and I would tell people, just share your testimony, just don't preach. Because it would take an hour and a half just to get through the testimony. Anybody know that person? And then they would go back, well, 25 years ago, no, no, what did Jesus do 25 minutes ago? Come on. You know, I, I can almost see this woman just there and Jesus, and all their love, just arms crossed and yeah, smiling at her. And Jairus over there having a fit. And he says, I know you're healed now, but I'm still going to kill you. Because you're taking up all my time, girl, and my daughter's dying. All right? So now you get the picture. Okay? What happens on the next one? And before he had finished speaking, to who? To her. They're still going on. People arrive from Jairus' house. And push to the crowd, so the crowd's still there. To give Jairus the news, there's no need for you to trouble the master. Your daughter's dead. Imagine getting Jairus's shoes for a bit. He just saw a miracle. Now he's standing in the presence of the miracle. And here comes the news. Forget about it. It's over. And he's looking at the miracle, and he's hearing the news. And now, guess what? Jairus has to make a decision. You see, I'm I'm trying to, you know, if if I could title this message somehow, it would be like the, what do you call it, like, (laughs) the dynamics of a healing. You know, what did it take for this person's people to get healed? And that hopefully will answer some of the questions in your life. So now Jairus is dealing with this. Verse 36, but Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. I like that, man, because sometimes you just got to refuse to listen what people are telling you. If what you hear is contrary to what God said, you're going to have to make a decision. Even if the doctor, you know, don't, don't be ugly to your doctor. Don't be like, well, I told you the story of my granddaughter. We didn't sit there with the doctor and argue and say, oh, sir, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. My granddaughter is going to live. No, I said, thank you, sir. Thanks for the update. You do your job. You keep doing your job. I'm praying for you, sir. And we were, we were praying for doctors. We were praying for nurses. We were praying for everything we could think of. But now Jairus has to make a decision. And Jesus says, Jesus refused to listen to that. And then he looks at Jairus, says Jewish official here in the Passion Translation. I like to, King James just keeps it simple. King James says, don't fear. But you can almost feel the authority rising up in Jesus and looking right at Jairus. I mean, you have some of that this week. You had to make those decisions. Are you going to fear it? And you said, don't fear. You just got the news, your daughter's dead. And, then, and, and you look at Jesus, the healer, don't fear. Do you see the contrast? Because information's going to come, and really, the faith, when you're talking about healing, this faith thing is so sensitive because you're going to have to make a decision, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the doctor's report? Are you going to believe the people's report? Are you going to believe whatever versus what the, what the word said? And Jesus knows exactly what's creeping up on him, and that's exactly the same thing. And I'll share just the the front end of the the testimony. When my wife got diagnosed, well, well, you know, we really didn't know what was wrong. She was feeling sick. She didn't feel good. Her uncle in Mexico said, you need to go get some blood work. So we went to get some blood work, and she was anemic, and she had some other issues. And then the next thing her uncle said in Mexico is, you need to go get an ultrasound. So we went back to get the ultrasound. All this is happening at at a hospital in in Mexico, in Nuevo Laredo. Uh, And... She goes into the ultrasound and I'm waiting outside and if you've ever been to the Clinica Especialidades, it's a small hospital and there's a lot going on and the, the, it's like that door is the, and you're just standing here and there's a hall and, and when she finally walks out of the ultrasound, she's crying and I go and hug her, I said, what's wrong? She said, well, the, t- the technique, the, techni- the technician or whatever told me I have two tumors. One is the size of a grapefruit and the other is the size of an orange and, and both through both of them, They wear nearly seven pounds. I mean, that's how big. It's like a baby. And she didn't even know she had this in her body. And the very first thing, when she's coming out weeping, you know, we didn't make a scene in the hospital or nothing. I took her by the hands. Of course, I'm talking to her in Spanish. And I told her, Tomamos autoridad sobre el espíritu de temor right now. I take authority over the spirit of fear. We're not going to let... I didn't pray. I didn't go and, oh, Jesus, I'd say, very first, because I knew it. I knew I could feel it. She's crying. Again, again, we're not superhuman. We will get news that will cause fear in our lives. Can I hear an amen? We will get news that will, will cause... But you still, at that point, you're going to have to make a decision, and you're going to find out what you're made of. Because you don't really know what your level of faith is until it gets tested. Can I hear an Amen. You really don't know where you're at in all of this. Because, you know, coming to church, you hear messages, it's good and happy. But, you know, when something hits your house that is brutal and it's up to you to make a decision, do I believe what God said or do I believe my circumstances? Because the circumstances, is, and, and it's not about not believing it because circumstances are real. And that's an area that scenario says, you know, we're not wishing it away into the cornfield and say, okay, you know, no, I, I'm healed. I'm just healed. I'm just healed. I'm not, I don't accept that. That's not how this works. Your body has some issues. That's called reality. You know, some other churches might preach different, but I, I get it. There's a real world, and and we're not ignoring the reality of the tumors. We're not ignoring the reality of the sickness. We're just ignoring its authority to destroy our life. Its authority to destroy my granddaughter. Its authority to destroy my wife. We're not. We're not. You know. We're not in agreement with that. We. There's a sickness. We're not going to ignore it. You ignore it, you're going to die. But we, we take authority, and I said, in the very big, I'm, I'm already preaching at you, so if you're taking notes, number one, you take authority over the spirit of fear. you got to take authority over the spirit of fear, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, nope, you're not going to fear. So, verse 36, Jesus refused to listen to what they were told, and said, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. So they left for his home, but Jesus didn't allow anyone to go with them except Peter and two brothers Jacob and John. When they arrived at the home of the synagogue ruler, they encountered a noisy uproar among the people, for they were all weeping and wailing. Now you got all this environment that is contrary to faith. You know, I give God the glory for this. I mean, as, as, as hard as funerals are, and I don't like to do funerals, you know, we, all the funerals we've ever done in this church, they've always been, a, and I'm talking you know, close to, to, what, 28 years of funerals, of homegoings, there's always been a sense of peace. There's tears, of course, but there was never grieving. And, and I've been to other funerals where I've had to go, and it was like, wow, how, this. so... How many know what I'm talking about? People are yelling and moaning and carrying on. You never see that in this church. Because everyone knew, and again, I thank God for the privilege that every funeral I've ever done, we knew those people where they went home. Amen? They didn't really die, they just moved. And, but, he, but Jesus, you know, they already got the news Jesus took authority over fear, and, and he's showing that he took authority because Jesus did say, well, too late. I guess we'll have to go do something else. And he says, no, you don't stop believing, sir. You don't stop believing. So they come home that the environment is still very toxic because the first thing Jairus sees, he already heard his daughter's dead. So he's got that little thing in his head. Now he sees everybody crying and everybody moaning and everybody carrying on. So that's affecting him. But watch what Jesus does because all these... In this passage, you can see every little thing that needs to happen for healing to take place. So the next one in verse 30, I mean, verse 39, if you give me the next one, it says, upon entering the home, Jesus said to them, why is all this grief and weeping? Don't you know that the girl's not dead, but merely asleep? And I always found this very interesting, verse 40, kind of on a side note, then everyone began to ridicule and make fun of him. You know who everyone is in here? It's the same bunch that was wailing and crying. They went from wailing to crying to making fun of. (laughs) That's pretty interesting, right? Same bunch. It wasn't like, okay, wailers and criers leave. Let's bring the mockers in. (laughs) It's the same bunch. You know, one moment they're, oh, my God, she died. And then Jesus said, no, she's alive. You're stupid. So (laughs) So sincere. From the Greek translation, stupid, yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. But look what he did. I and mean, this is a big one for some of you. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I missed the big one because I like this about Jesus. But he threw them all outside. Everybody say, crowd. I don't know how long it took him to throw them outside, but he took every one of them and threw them outside. When you get this little picture of the weakly, skinny, hanging on cross, Jesus with his ribs showing and meek. Yes, he was meek and he was up, but he was one tough dude. And when Jesus had it, he had it. And he had it at the temple. And he used a whip and whipped a bunch of thieves out. And he had it with this bunch. And sometimes you have to get that attitude. Not to have it with people, but it's going to be up to you divorce yourself from negative people when you're going through a crisis that doesn't mean permanently i'm just saying it's either faith or fear you're gonna have to pick and jesus knew that if i don't get this screaming crying wailing bunch of hypocrites out of here it's going to mess up the faith environment he knew that he threw them all out and not only he threw them all out he didn't bring everybody in he brought three he only brought three and i wonder why did he pick the three well because these were the closest disciples these were the persons that he had invested his life into. These were the three that really got what Jesus was about. Now, he had another nine, but he probably just said, y'all, wait outside, and we'll guard the door. Don't let anybody in. But Jesus, the disciples, they didn't say, and the disciples threw people out. Jesus himself threw them out. I like this about Jesus. You know, just come on, yeah, just kicking them. A the crowd. I don't know how long it took him to throw everybody out. Maybe he threw a couple out very violently, and, the rest, and then the rest just decided to move, right? He's like, whoa, you don't want to go do that. The rabbi is mad. <laughs> I can almost see him getting his, his prayer shawl and just, <laughs> pow, come on, y'all are getting out of here now. You know, wet the tip, you know, like with, the, like with a towel. Then everyone, you know, so Jesus kicks them all out. Second part of verse 40, he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the girl was laying. He tenderly claps the child's hand. I love this about Jesus. You know, one verse above, he's throwing people out. The next verse, he's tender and loving. That's cool, right? That's, that's what's awesome about Jesus. And he said to her in Aramaic, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. And we finish the story with verse 42. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood on her feet, and started walking around the room. Everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Jesus had them bring something to eat, and he cautioned them, repeated that they were to tell no one what had happened. So there you see, in, in, in this amazing passage, you see the two healings that happened. You see all these dynamics, but the one thing you see through this whole thing is that he took authority over the fear, And he took authority over everything that was in faith. So as you begin to to understand these things, you you know that is the same thing that we have to do today. Now let let me break some of this down for you now into kind of an outline form. So I I got five foundations I want to give you. Five foundations. Write them down or screenshot it because you can build a foundation in your life over your kids, over your family, over your own physical health, To understand how the power of healing works in Jesus that's what my job is this morning not just to pray for your healing but to also help you understand that there's a big part that you need yes God can heal you instantly this morning but there will be a part are you willing to do your part number one healing is old and new covenant promise this is not something that came up with the New Testament there's always been healing there was healing in the Old Testament there's healing in the New Testament so it is part of God's nature to heal and it was also one of the central actions in the life of ministry of Jesus in other words everywhere you go in the five gospels you're going to feel saturated with healing and healing and healing and healing miracles well the next point of that is you know and I just, I put that scripture just to support the thought my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus so is healing a need come on church yes Healing is something, and, and, and this is something that, ha- that has helped me over the years, and, and I'll throw it out there right now in case I, I forget the thought into the sermon. This has really helped me a lot. I realized that I am not the sick trying to get healed. That, that just changed everything for me. Jesus gave me a covenant to walk in health. When sickness and disease comes, which it will, I don't approach it like, oh, I'm sick and I need to be healed. I said, no, 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 I'm the healed, and sickness has violated that right. Sickness is not part of my body. In other words, I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I am the healed, protecting my covenant right to stay healed. The devil's going to throw everything at you, but it's up to you to say where, from what position are you attacking it? Are you attacking it? Well, I'm healed. I need some help. Or you're like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. This is not. This is somebody's violating a covenant here. Amen. Somebody has violated a covenant because my covenant says that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. So even though my body's under symptoms, my body's under attack. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not sick. You know, my body has physical symptoms. But I have a doctor's report that says you are physically sick. I'm not denying any of that. I'm just saying I'm denying the authority of sickness and disease to function in a healed body. Not because my body is perfectly healed. It's because Jesus said it was healed. That's the diff- That's where faith starts kicking in. Okay, number two. I'm gonna, I got to get through this. God hasn't changed. God didn't just wake up one morning and say, bah, I used to heal people, but I'm tired. They wore me out. They ran out of all the healing power. No, the B- book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus is the same. Read it with me. Read it like you want to get healed. Yesterday. 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 So yesterday he healed, today he heals, and in the future he will heal. Come on, somebody. That has to grow in you. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed trying to establish, you know, protecting our covenant. It's like being broke. Being broke is is part of the curse. I don't want to get on that, but this is the same thing. I refuse lack lack to, to regulate my life. I used to put up with lack like lack was just part of everyday life, just like some people put up with sickness. Oh, it's just part of life. No, it's not. In a covenant, you're not supposed to be sick. You're not supposed to be broke. But people have to have an authority and an attitude over it. And once you understand that, God is the same. So if he was the same in the Old Testament, he was the same in the first century, Jesus is the same, he's the same today, and he's going to be the same tomorrow. He's not, he's not changing. Mm-hmm. Number three, his word is medicine. And this is the big one, because this is what I told you about my wife. This is what I told you about Ayana. This is what I told you about our own personal experiences. We didn't just say, okay, Lord, Healer," We immediately went to the word. And we established, and if you have to sit there and, you know, you've got to take word like you take medicine. If you go to, you know, if you go to the doctor, let's say you have, you know, whatever ailment, but it's curable, and the doctor says, I want you to take one pill of this a day, and you'll, you'll be healed, you know, in a couple months, or you'll be healed in a week, or, you know, whatever. And you're like, okay, great, great. And you go to your family, you say, hey, I went to the doctor, what do you say? It's my, my, the sickness I have is curable, all I got to take is this one little pill for 10 days, and I'll be fine. And everybody's like, oh, awesome, we thought you were gonna die, no, I'm not gonna die and you got the medicine, you got it in your hand, and you put it on your nightstand, and every day you look at it and say, thank God, I know that, that medicine can heal me, but you don't take it. And you keep getting sicker and sicker, and the medicine's sitting right there on your nightstand. And you know it has the power to heal, and you know it will, and the doctor told you it would fix it, but you refuse to take it, and in 10 days you die. <laughs> so whose fault was it now? Was the doctor's fault? No, the doctor gave you the answer. It was up to you to have the discipline to take the pill. Well, the believers, it's amazing, they will not miss their medicine that the doctor will prescribe. They will not miss that. If it says one a day, most of you are very good at that, right? You take it, one a day. But when, it, when you come to church and the preacher says, yeah, you got to do the same thing with a word, like, aha, that's too much trouble. <laughs> Who has time for that? Just pray for me, preacher, so I can be healed. You see, here we go again. I can pray for you and I can release my faith and hopefully you'll get a miracle. But I'm just telling you, Proverbs 4.20, 22 says, My son, give attention to my words. In other words, pay attention. not only. And then I like the, the emphasis, incline your ear. In other words, pay attention and put that ear really close because what I'm about to tell you is super important. Do not let them depart from your eyes. What is he talking about? His words. He's talking about this wonderful book of promises. And if you don't have... I mean, guys, with, with today's technology... If you're not digging out scriptures, you're just plain lazy. Because back in my day, we had to get a concordance that if you dropped it on your foot, it would break your foot. It was a big old book about like that, about that thick. And if you were going to look for healing scriptures, you had to go to the H and find healings and, and healing. And then you have all these references, and you have to get out your old paper Bible and get your old big Strong's concordance and go, you. Nowadays, all you got to do is about three clicks on your phone, and you got thousands of healing scriptures. I challenge you. to say, Google, healing scripture. See what pops up. You have no excuse to not, have, to not be able to, to dig this out. But he says, you give attention to my words. You incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life, those who find them. Are you ready? And health to all their flesh. And I'm telling you, church, this thing is not hard, but it does take discipline. Because if the doctor says... Take this pill three times a day, you'll be fine. Well, the pastor's saying, confess the scripture three days, three times a day, and you'll be fine. But you have to have that discipline. My wife created that discipline in her life, and every day of her life, she confesses healing scriptures. And she doesn't have to be sick. It's called preventive medicine. Amen? You know, at the front end of COVID, you guys were here. Now Now, you know, most people don't care about masks anymore, praise God, but I didn't care about masks when it started, you know. But, you know, you had to wear them. They wouldn't let you in. But now I wear them. And, you know, at the, right at the front end, people will look at you weird. But not one person has asked me if I'm vaccinated. But if they do, I'm going to say, yes, I'm vaccinated. I took my vaccine last March 2020 and let them figure it out that there wasn't a vaccine in March 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been vaccinated since last year. I'm good. Let me in. Because you guys were here. Some of you were here when we stood. Before we shut our church down, we said, we take a Holy Ghost vaccine. We're not participating in COVID. We're not, we're not, we're not going there. That's not part of my covenant. And glory to God, I know I've been exposed to COVID God so many times it's not even funny. We haven't gotten it. Our house hasn't gotten it. Our, you know, My wife didn't get it. My grandson didn't get it. Other family members got it. I'm not undermining, their But we took a decision based on covenant rights as we're not participating in it. That's not part of my covenant. I refuse to walk in fear over COVID and I refuse to take it. You guys got real quiet, right? Well, the fact is here we are. I know some of you are thinking, well, what if he gets it? Well, with your loving and faith, you know, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage you. I don't take flu vaccines. And guess what? I don't get the flu. I haven't taken a flu vaccine. Maybe when I was a kid, they gave me one. Every I didn't remember taking a flu vaccine. I mean, who, who wants to have swine junk injected into you? But anyway, that's another story. By the way, don't do anything because I say it. Do it because your faith is there. Because if you say, "Well, Pastor Box said I'm going to do it," no, no, you do it because your faith is there. If you don't, if your faith is not up there, please get the vaccine. Please do it. I mean, just get it. Don't 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 feel bad about it. Just get it. It's not it's not that you're faithless, but you you know we're not we're all at different levels. Don't do something because I said it. But if you're the, if you grow your faith, if you grow your things of God, if you understand your covenant, if you understand your relationship with God, there's nothing to fear over that. You know, somebody somebody tell me, well, aren't you scared of COVID and all that? I'm like, listen, I ride my motorcycle across country. Do you think I'm afraid of dying? Ask HH. We went on some mountain trips that... He's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. You're asking the wrong person, all right? (laughs) Number four. Well, his word is medicine, and then this one supports it. Life or death, you speak it. Get this one. Because this is one of the biggest keys to understanding this. Your words, as much as you've heard that, and as much as I've heard it, and we still sometimes say some of the dumbest things, is the following. Proverbs eighteen twenty and 21. A man's belly will be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth, And with the increase of his lips, he shall be filled. You ready for 21? Death and life. Death and life. Good and bad. Blessing and cursing. I'll just add those. It doesn't say that, but just to make my point. Are in the power of the tongue. Let that sink in. So, what are you speaking? What are you saying? When the doctor says it's not looking good, what did you say? Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? No, you say, thank you, sir, for the information. I need to go to talk to God about it. You do your thing, I'll do mine. Because now, if you want to know where you are spiritually, it's not, you know, well, I go to church every Sunday. So does the devil. Are you kidding me? Next challenge you have, the very first thing that comes out of your mouth will tell you where you are in faith. The very first thing that comes. Not not the second, not not when you remember. When you get that news, when you get whatever situation, the, the first thing that blows out of your mouth, that's what you're full of. And hopefully it's something like, nope, God's got this. By his stripes I am healed. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Life and death sit on your tongue. So even though they're two separate points, they are related. His word is medicine. And hopefully by placing the medicine In your heart and listening to the word, if it's like you know this great testimony we had. There's actually two, but the one we had from Laredo at the front end of this year. uh, One of our church members there, she got diagnosed with cancer in January. Almost to the date, 30 days later, she was completely cancer-free. I mean, I'm talking Mm -hmm. doctors released her and everything. But you know what we did? And she's brand new to this. I mean, she's not like some of us been You know, I said, "Well, this is what you got to do." And I basically I, I told her what I'm telling you. And then I had a, a little CD and I had a little healing scripture book and the CD was basically the same thing which is healing scriptures on audio. I said, you need to play this. You need to go to sleep with this. You need to wake up with this. You need to put this in your car. You don't, be, you don't need to be listening to the news or listening to, you need to, you know, you need to fill yourself with this thing. Well, she did exactly what I told her and she's completely cancer-free. I didn't, I didn't cause any of it. This is what happened. The word got in there God, the word got in her heart then the next thing the word got in her mouth and the manifestation of healing showed up what i tell people it's not complicated but it is discipline because we most of us have the human nature to we'll, we'll wait to the crisis then we fix it you don't want to like i said right at the front end you don't want to look for the fire extinguisher once your house is burning down you want to know where it's at right and i think it's the same thing you take the word consistently constantly knowing that by the stripes of jesus i am healed even if you're perfectly healthy you're filling it you're filling it you're filling it and in, now okay let's do the other scenario and if you're sick and, and you know you're struggling let's say just with a bad cold or a bad flu and you're and somebody says well how are you doing and you're like i'm healed and they're, they're looking at you no you're not i heard somebody tell me that i mean not only once a lot of people told me that good loving people of god they said pastor if i'm sick And I tell people I'm healed. Isn't that a lie? I'm like, no. Because you're not telling people you're healed. You're quoting scripture. Well, I guess it would be a lie to say I'm healed versus to say by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed because God said my word is truth. Now here, again, I don't want to dig too deep into this, but we're here. Truth and reality are two things. Truth is a word. This is truth. Reality is what we live in. Reality is a doctor. That's why I say, we don't ignore doctor's reports. Are you kidding me? That is our, that is our marching orders. Doctor says, you're sick. And, I, and sometimes I'm like, okay, what's the name of the sickness? Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And if it's got a name like leukemia, it needs to bow. Whatever name it has, it has to bow. So if I'm speaking the word, there's no way I'm speaking a lie. Now, if I don't have anything to do with God, and, and I'm visibly sick and i'm and i say i'm healed now that could be a lie because there's really no foundation for that but if you say i'm healed because jesus said by his stripes i am healed okay then all that's truth are you all still with me you have to speak it you have to get the word in your heart the word in your mouth life or death you speak it death and life are in the power of the tongue they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof now the last point which kind of wraps all of them together is verse five you must practice healing confessions every day I've said that four times already in the message. So what I did in the next few slides, and like I said, the clock's leaving us really fast, but I'm not here to rush the clock. I'm here to get you to understand. This is the structure of people that walk in divine health. Now, if you're sick here this morning, God can heal you instantly. But if you have an ongoing thing in your life that you want to get rid of, I'm telling you, go to the Word. You know that if you dig around, you find scriptures about your blood. You find scriptures about your bones. You find scriptures about blood about bone marrow. You find scriptures about your brain. You find scriptures about almost every part of your body. It's it's not just one, you know, blanket scripture. But if you can't remember all of them, you got the, the big one. That on that cross, he bore all my sickness and all my disease. And by his stripes, I was healed. Peter said that. Isaiah said it in the Old Testament. He said, we are. Peter said, we were. So if Peter said, we were, then I am. I am healed. I am not the sick trying to get healed. I am the healed protecting my covenant right to stay in health. Amen. Let me, I'm going to shotgun these for you. Take screenshots you'll write them down. Give me the next one. Here you go. These are, these are all healing scriptures that I want you to, if you're here this morning, if the best you can do is take a screenshot, that's fine. At least you have it on your phone. You can go back to that photo every day now and pick a couple of them that, you really, that, you really, that really minister to you, and you speak these things, and you confess them, and you thank God for them. And, and there's just a bunch of Exod i'm going to just read them fast exodus 23:25. worship the lord your god and his blessing will be on your food and water i will take away sickness from among from you isaiah 41:10. do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous hand isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 surely he took our pain and bore our sufferings yet we considered him punished by god stricken by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's the scripture that Peter quotes that says by his, But he changes that one little word, it's changed in the scriptures. It says by his stripes we were healed. This is Old Testament, that's why it says we are healed. But this takes you to the cross. Once Jesus is on the cross, once Jesus is resurrected, then we were healed. Amen? Next one. But I will restore your health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 30, 17. He heals the brokenhearted and winds up their wounds, Psalm 147:3. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, Acts 10:38. I'm, I'm giving you all these so you, got, you have no excuse. You don't even have to go Google them. I already did that for you. Hey, Amen. Let's give you the next one. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, how many ways, church? All your ways. You acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You see, I'm standing on that one right now because I have some joint issues on my feet and stuff, and I'm standing on that. I said, nope, my bones are strong. All my joints are strong. Amen? I don't, I don't accept... The thing, you know, and I've been fighting it for a few months, but I am healed. One day, y'all see me dancing up on this platform. I'm completely delivered. Amen. amen. Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. What did he send? Come on, church. His word. Luke 4.18. We already quoted that one. Give me the next one. That was right at the front end. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, are you God's people? But you guys are, amen. Are you God's people? No, that's not good enough. One more. Are you God's people? Thank you, church. They finally woke up. I think they're hungry. If my people, that's me. Everybody say, "That's that's me. We've done this, right? We've humbled ourselves. We pray. We seek His face. We've turned from our wicked ways. Then what happens? He will heal from heaven. He will forgive your sins, and He will heal the land. Well, you could just not even read the land. He will heal you. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 54, 17 is one of my favorite. This one, I beat the devil up with this one all the time. This is one of my daily confessions. No weapon that is formed against me shall succeed. I say, shall prosper, King James. And shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindiction from me declares the Lord. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. If you're always full of negativity, if everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, if everything that comes out of your, your mouth is strifeful, if everything that comes out of your, 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 your mouth is, is dark, don't expect a lot of manifestation of healing. People that are healed have gracious words. And you, and you learn to avoid strife. Strife is the number one problem causer of everybody's life. You get to the point in your life where you recognize, you're like, oh no, we're not going there. Some of you need to get rid of some drama, because drama is stopping the blessing. I'm serious. I'm not even joking about that. Some of you need to stop the drama. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody fighting, everybody bickering, everybody upset, everybody hating each other. That's not that's not an environment for healing. Marriages. Listen to me. You cannot afford you cannot afford to be in strife, because the devil will take it out on your kids. You're over here fighting with your wife about some silly nonsense and now you get a bad diagnostic on one of your kids? huh? The devil will use every opportunity to bury you. So stop it. That's what that scripture says. Gracious words. Sweetness of the soul. Our health to the body. Amen? Do we have some more, Harjah? I know I put a bunch of them. Here we go. Luke 10 9. Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Kingdom. You, know what's, you know what is not in the kingdom of God? Sickness. <laughs> and you know what the kingdom of God is? It's not heaven. It's right now. It's us. We are living in the kingdom of God. Matthew 4.23, he went through all Galilee, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. There it is again. And healing every disease. How many sickness? All of it. Every disease, every affliction among the people. Isaiah 57.18, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far, to the, to the near, says the Lord. I will heal him. Do we have one more? Is that it? That was it? Okay. I want you to stand this morning, and I gave you the five foundations for healing. And I asked RJ to play a song on, 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 just on the speakers as we pray. I'm going to pray this morning, like we promised. I want you to release your, for there's faith in this house for healing. Why? Because that's all we talked about for an hour. Amen? There's, there's faith in this house for healing. You, you, you know, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word. This is the only thing, there's no reason why you shouldn't walk out healed. And, I, and what I want to cover, I want you to listen to these words a little bit as, as I pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you that we are here this morning and we are reaching out to you, God. And Father, I can speak for myself, but I can speak for all of us that we all need healing in our body. There's areas of manifestation. You can turn up our bit Let this song minister to you, then I'll pray for you. Here could turn it up a little bit more.